Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. We're breaking down early NFL Week 15 odds, some bets for us, and some movement when it comes to look-ahead lines. But before we get into it, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever The Lines releases new sports betting videos. We have college football bowl games and betting previews for all those coming out in the coming weeks as I think bowl season starts on Saturday. So be sure to check those out on the YouTube page, along with in our audio only podcast, subscribe rate interview to this podcast, along with the rest of the lines content on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, just search the lines one word. Mo, we are 33 and 17 when it comes to NFL bets this season, two and two in week 14, actually two and one with spreads and totals with the Giants pending. And we'll get into Monday Night Football at the back end of this podcast for anybody listening to the audio-only version as the video is released on Tuesdays. Mo, how did Week 14 go for you so far individually? Pretty good. Not a high-volume week, but uh, yeah, uh, did well on the stuff so far. And yeah, still have some some Giants action that apparently, according to you, the market's on my side. I haven't looked, so... Sounds like uh, it moved in my favor a little bit. Yeah, we got it down from six and a half to six. And like I said, we'll handicap that game in about 30, 40 minutes or so. But pretty good week for me as well. I hit a half unit bet on the Patriots first half on Thursday night. I did not want to go a full unit for a Thursday night football game. Learned my lesson there in the past on a short week, but still cashed. Falcons minus one and a half did not hit. Buccaneers scoring a touchdown in the final couple minutes. Bears dominate the Lions. Jared Goff struggling in cold weather. You could pretty much put that one on repeat. And Bill's money line. We'll get to that game against the Chiefs. I hit with Buffalo. You mentioned to me before the podcast that you thought Kansas City outplayed the Bills. Yards per play shows that. But we'll dive into the game in a little bit when we get to their respective Week 15 matchups. So, good season for me so far, 36-16-1. and And if you're looking to get in on any NFL Week 15 action, be sure to use our promo code with BetMGM Sportsbook. The line's one word, just like our podcast. And you can get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Again, promo code, the line's one word. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. Mo, we kick it off with Thursday night football. Chargers and Raiders, Las Vegas, sitting as a flat three-point home favor, a total of 33 and a half. And if you're wondering why it's such a low total, well, no Justin Herbert as he fractured his finger against the Broncos in the first half. Chargers lose outright to Denver as a result by 17, closing as a field goal favorite. The Chargers have now gone under their win total in each of the last five seasons. And if you know the term chargering, that result when it comes to season-long features probably doesn't surprise you too much. And if you look at how that game played out against Denver really quick, and then I'll swing it to you, Chargers didn't score on their first red zone possession. That was a result of a Russell Wilson interception inside the 10 or 15-yard line. And Denver cashed on their first red zone trip, which was a product of a Justin Herbert pick. So... A little bit of variance both ways, but Chargers red zone offense has actually been pretty efficient so far this year. I believe top 10 or top 15, at least above average going into the game. And the Chargers didn't convert on a fourth and one in plus territory to start the second half with Easton Stick. 
And that led to a Russell Wilson to Sutton touchdown for the Broncos, put them up 17 zip and pretty much ice the game. Maybe you, I don't know your take on Chargers Raiders, but I thought the Chargers got the benefit of some pretty crappy negative variance, whether you look at short yardage situations like the fourth down or red zone inefficiency or just plain old injury luck. But what have you made of the Chargers so far this year and as it relates to their matchup against the Raiders? I mean, it seems like they've definitely been on the downswing. Uh, Obviously, the pretty poor game they had against the Patriots where... You know, they did escape with a W, but scored literally six points. Um, Wouldn't expect that to happen too often going forward. And then, uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they got outplayed by the Broncos. I think that's pretty clear. Herbert did not have a good game. Like, I, I know that he got hurt, whatever, but given what he was producing on his way to that injury, I mean, his line was pretty disgusting. 96 yards on 17 passing attempts, took four sacks. That's not going to cut it against even like some of the worst teams in the NFL, which is why they had a close game with the Patriots right the prior week. So um, this is a really interesting one because of the injury and the big line move. Uh, I am interested in the Chargers, even though I'm guessing Easton Stick is probably one of the worst backups in the NFL. He's a hometown boy from here. Uh, went to Creighton Prep High School, about seven-minute drive that way. <laughs> um, so anytime you can fade a guy who went to Creighton Prep, it's probably a good thing, but I might be on the other side. So, I mean, Aiden O'Connell's been pretty bad, too. The Raiders have basically been staying in games with their defense for the most part since uh, O'Connell took over and McDaniels was shown the door. Um, I, man, given, like I said, given what Herbert was putting up in the last two games, game and a half, I guess you would want to call it. It's pretty hard for me to buy a seven point move here. I mean, the Chargers were like minus four. Is this moves a touchdown here against a bad team still? I would also look in this game for maybe some Quentin Johnson props. Man, he's been so bad this year, but. It kind of did seem like he had some rapport with Easton Stick when he came in. I mean, Easton Stick hit him for multiple big plays, ended up with yeah. like 90-something yards. I'm guessing because of how bad his season numbers have been, and a computer is basically just going to spit these numbers out, it's going to be something low. I, I think his total probably going to be like 40 or something. I, I might try to hit some Easton Stick uh, to to Quentin Johnson overs here as well. You look at the Raiders against the Vikings as you mentioned their defense keeping them in that game a three nothing win for Minnesota the live total in the fourth quarter which isn't surprising based on the final score but you never see I don't remember the last time this has ever happened a live total of six and a half juice to the over in the fourth and obviously that only happens in scoreless games in the fourth quarter which is a rarity you mentioned the Patriots Chargers game and we said that was one of the worst games in NFL history last week or going back to Week 13, that was one of the worst NFL games ever, for sure. Las Vegas outgaining 3.82, 3.3 yards per play is pretty horrific. They outgained yards per play, but they had enough less plays that uh, 
Vikings had more total yards, I believe, is what happened in that game. So not a lot to write home about with either offense, for sure. Aiden O'Connell, for me, you mentioned this is Easton Stick, kind of like a homecoming from afar for you, <laughs> at least in primetime. Aiden O'Connell went to my high school. So I'm right there with you. He's obviously way younger than me, but went to Stevenson. So a little bit of mano y mano here. I don't think I'm going to have any action on the Raiders. So that isn't going to trigger any sort of a hometown bet for me. I agree. This is Chargers or pass. Maybe I would consider LA a little bit more if this wasn't on a short week. I like your Johnston look just with the notion that the Raiders kind of play off coverage and should leave for some separation. Although I kind of think his production, maybe it was a little bit of passive defense by the Broncos late in the second half, which led to those two explosive connections between Easton and Easton stick and Johnston, but Sertan having, I think pretty much shadowing Keenan Allen for much of that game yesterday. So keep that in mind too, when it came to Johnston's productivity, but maybe that leads to something down the stretch. And like you said, it's not like his numbers are going to be super inflated based on one game. So maybe that's worth a look. Maybe you look towards the chargers just because is the line movement justified short week of prep though for Easton. I don't think I'm going to touch this game Thursday night game. Just another gross Thursday night game. Total of 33 and a half. Not as bad as the Patriots Steelers game. That again, that one went over the total after it closed around 30. As we mentioned on last week's podcast, tied for the lowest total since 1993. So actually turned out to be a decent game from a scoring standpoint, at least as it regards to the betting market. But pass for me on Thursday night football. Any closing thoughts, Mo, before we... Hit on your Kansas City Chiefs. I would just say that uh, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, I mean, Quentin Johnson wasn't even getting anything in garbage time with Justin Herbert. So the fact that he was able to produce something at least maybe tells me Easton Stick is looking for him where I don't think he had his quarterback's trust, and rightfully so with some of the poor play he's had this year. Not Not going to sit here and tell you uh, I blame Justin Herbert for that at all. Yeah, the drop against the Packers a few weeks ago cost him a first down and cost him a chance to either tie the game or win the game in Green Bay, which has spurred this Packers win streak heading into their matchup on Monday night as we're recording this before Packers and Giants. On to the Chiefs. I believe they may be back up to 10, but right around a 9.5, 10-point road favorite in Foxborough, total of 37.5, and including... The loss to the Bills yesterday, four of the Chiefs' five losses could conceivably be pinned on their receivers. If you go back to week one with Kadarius Tony's drop turning into a pick six, you also had pretty egregious drops on their final possession by Valdez Scantling and Sky Moore. You go back to week eight in Denver, Sky Moore dropping a potential game-winning touchdown before the Broncos expanded their lead to two possessions, I believe. In week 11, the loss to the Eagles with Valdez Gantling dropping a potential game when he touched down. You remember that one along with probably the rest of our audience pretty clearly. And then yesterday, Kadarius Tony offsides on a game when he touched down that he would have produced on a heck of a play from Travis Kelsey. By the way, we'll get to Mahomes and his crybaby-like mentality after the game. But saying that that play or the flag impacting Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame resume is kind of egregious in its own right. But before we get your thoughts on the game, though, because I know you have plenty of them, I want to ask you, of these four 
potential new Taylor Swift singles, at least title-wise. Which one do you like most? These are spinoffs off of her current, some of her current singles in the past. Bad Blood with Kadarius Tony. I knew you were trouble, Kadarius Tony. Dot dot dot, Kadarius Tony. Would have, could have, should have beat the Bills. Or this one's my favorite, by the way. If I had to give a vote, tis the damn. Tell me that before. Well, I think you would guess because I thought it was my most creative one. Tis the damn season for Patrick Mahomes to finally get screwed over by the refs. I like that the most. Which one do you like most? Probably the second one. I knew you were trouble, Kadarius Tony. Probably should have known when the Giants spent a first-round pick on you and don't want you on their team that uh, maybe something's a little off. You don't that like the last said, one? Uh, that being said, I was a Kadarius Tony stan uh, out of the draft, so... I guess he just never gonna have it upstairs. So, but uh, you see, you see the the dynamic plays at times. Even when he they they try to give him a little bit of like uh, Debo Samuel treatment because uh, he's been kind of obviously had some of the poor play uh, lining up out wide. So giving him some carries to try to give him a little more utilization in the offense, and it's been successful at times. I mean, he ripped off a couple decent runs uh, this week as well. But yeah, I mean. Just crazy the season he's had. I, I mean, stuff of nightmares, you know. Yeah, that was nightmarish. I mean, from a flag, just to even have that kind of a situation where your wide receiver lines up offsides, and then to sum it all up, you have Mahomes telling Josh Allen after the game, "I could not believe that man." Like for a quarterback, Josh Allen beats you in a huge game. To keep his season alive. Mind you, he has lost two playoff games to you that have ruined his season. I'm not saying that Kansas City deserved to lose either of those games. My point is is that Josh Allen has been on the other side of heartbreak. So I'm sorry that your teammate cost you the game. And then you're, you're spewing to Josh Allen your tears afterwards. Why should he care? And he clearly did care. He kind of patted the holes on the chest being like, all right, buddy, settle down. Not that maybe he didn't have any sympathy, but dude, that was unbelievable to see Mahomes react like that. Like not only were you on the plus side of a holding call in the Super Bowl that should have been called, it was the right call. And it's not like the refs waited till after the Tony touchdown yesterday to call Tony for being offsides, which he should have been called for. Like he's he's screaming at the refs after they failed to convert on fourth down. The right call was made. What did you make of the whole situation? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like calling three seconds in the NBA. You know, it happens a lot, and they don't always call it. You know, it's like uh, they uh, they usually don't call it. I think I saw something that said it's been called like thirteen times in the past two years or something. So, you know, I get why they would be frustrated at that it, that specific call being called. But at the same time, you know, it's like D Ford. The man was not lined up where he was supposed to be. So maybe something about Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, I don't know. We learned that Arrowhead Stadium has the drops at night, but maybe it has something to do. Get something in people's brains where they line up in the wrong spot. Uh, in a, at least this game obviously wasn't as big as D Ford. But um <clears throat> Yeah, it's just, you know, it sucks because there also was an offside the very next play on Von Miller, and that just goes uncalled, and it's just like, 
It, he wasn't was offsides. Vaughn? Oh, he definitely was. Vaughn was he definitely wasn't. offsides. When you 100%. watch the video, he moved with the snap. And the, when the ball was being snapped, he then crossed the line. He wasn't offsides. That one was offsides, but... He wasn't. It's fine. I mean, you know, the Chiefs were the better team, and they lost. And that was a great result for me. Because, I, man, I need the Bills to sneak into the playoffs somehow, but... Still some some kind of rough results, honestly, for, for them. Not as good as you would hope. Uh, Denver, Cincinnati even. Cincinnati with Jake Browning. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. Denver gets the W. I'm still a little bit less excited than I probably should be for my bills. I got like 30 to 1 or something. Probably should have just waited and got 40 to 1, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the Chiefs not. Like, I get the why they're frustrated, but, you know, just whatever. The season's very far from over. Just go on to the next one, you know. It's not that big of a deal. It's December, guys. Like, worry about January and February, you know. Worry about your own player costing you the game. We're I, I know we're a, a betting show, obviously. We're not trying to pull first take here or anything like that. We're not trying to turn into... Skip Bayless versus Stephen A. Smith, but it would concern me if I had any long-term investment in Kansas City. I mean, this is something that you and I have handicapped into the Kansas City Chiefs and their recent games. Their receivers continue to cost them. I I know that Rice came up big down the stretch with that touchdown in the second half, but he also had a play, I think, in the second half where he couldn't separate from Teron Johnson or one of the Bills' corners. The Chiefs receiving core is a major well, he had, liability. He had the big fumble. I mean, right. that was obviously huge. But at the right. same time, you know, this is just the last guy anybody needs to be worried about. You know, he's the one actually making some positive plays. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, probably need to be dumping on the guys who aren't making the big plays. Like, I, I get Rice is still making mistakes, but that's fine. Like, the Chiefs need to let him work through those mistakes and just keep getting him the rock because he's one of the actually players who's pretty good and is going to be uh, part of this, uh, you know, team going forward. Um, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs. Th- this might be a good a good thing overall. You know, uh, I'm opposite of you on that. I think like it's fine to lose these games as long as you know everyone takes the right things to heart and gets better. That that's what we've seen with this Chiefs team in the past. You know, so. Uh, maybe a little concerning in the sense that they did feel like they got robbed, which, you know, that was a fair call, so they didn't. <laughs> um, you just want everyone to just go to go back, work harder the next week, you know, and, and I think that's never been a problem with this team. So uh, hopefully just a situation where everybody works through it. I would think they will. Cause it's a good, you know, it's a good locker room. It's a good culture. You got a great head coach, so I wouldn't be too worried about it. Um, but yeah, obviously the receiving core being this poor is rough. It, it's definitely one of the worst, but you know, the defense played very well uh, after a little bit of a rough start. I mean, the bills basically couldn't do anything after the first quarter. So, uh, that was encouraging after that pretty bad performance against green Bay that we talked about where I, I just think they've kind of sleepwalked through that one and just didn't really bring any heat and just I felt like really vanilla game plan you know was pretty disappointing to see but it was good to see them uh, get back on the horse and perform well so uh, not something I'm really too worried about going forward I don't know man I mean you go back to that Packers game and 
the Mahomes interception on their second to last possession was probably a result of a poorly run route by Sky Moore. I would not want any stock in Kansas City going forward. Maybe not the New England game. I don't think I'm looking to fade them against the Patriots here as we look ahead to week 15, but I'm certainly not looking to buy low, quote-unquote, on Kansas City. Not that the market is really pricing that. That's the problem. Is right. You're not going to be able to, you know. But it's I wouldn't. Chiefs. I don't, They've I don't think I would. four, five, six years that this is the best team in the NFL. and Not this year. You're just not going to get a good price. You have an aging Travis Kelsey, and like I said, the receiving core is, and you said it too, below league average. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm not saying they're the best team by any means. I moved them down one spot in my power ranking this week. But the thing is, though, this year it's not that big of a deal to not be the best. I mean, there's one very good team this year, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's probably a tier of like five or six teams after them that's like pretty close, and the Chiefs are in that, and... You know, would it be a surprise if one of those teams won and not San Francisco? I mean, no, because this is football. You know, this is NFL football. At the same time, while San Francisco is the best, and I think that's very clear. I think that's been clear for multiple weeks now. Would it be stunning if somebody beat them? Definitely not. You know, they're like a couple points better than these teams, right? Yeah. I think we're I think we're agreeing on the same point. I just I don't know if I'm with you that Kansas City is in that class when if you need to score, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, can your receiving core make a play? We haven't seen it against the Packers and against the Bills yesterday. So. Yeah, but the other parts of the team are definitely better. You know, that's the thing. Defensively, it's- sure. But as we've said year in and year out, or at least year in and year out over the last five years, offense wins in the NFL as good as your defense is. So. Yeah, anyways, of but when you still have Patrick Mahomes, it's just it's like a cheat code, though. You know, it's you still have a shot because you have the best player on the field and, you know, he might just make enough plays to make it happen. Obviously, somebody's got to grasp the ball with two hands, but, <laughs> you know, you hope that a professional player will do that more often than not. So I'm curious to see how the market kind of prices them come to playoffs, especially if they're on the road and if that notion applies, because if it does we might get an inflated number, but we'll see. So New England against Kansas City, paths of the home team coming off of that Thursday night football upset win over Pittsburgh is five, five and a half point dogs. And New England allowing the second fewest expected points out of DPA per play since week 10. No Pacheco yesterday against Buffalo, which hindered their run game for sure. When you look at total EPA, when it came to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire at least had a negative Total EPA, so he was not super efficient on the ground. But on the flip side, the Patriots' run defense has been one of the best run defenses, not just since Week 10, but all season. So how do you handicap this one, Mo, before we move on to Bills and Cowboys? Yeah, I'm a little bit interested in the Patriots. Uh, Like I said, I feel like the Chiefs definitely outplayed the Bills, so it's not because I'm making any kind of downgrade on the Chiefs. And and they they got hit this morning, man. I mean, you already said it a little bit ago it was nine and a half across the board this morning and uh I guess somebody likes the Chiefs a lot because they got hit moved up to 10 everywhere I'm kind of it's honestly more of like I think the Patriots are playing halfway decent football I mean I know they got blanked by the Chargers but they honestly deserve better in that game probably I mean they moved the ball at times they just couldn't finish drives and that's pretty much the same thing that happened to them against the Colts man like that, that game that game probably should have been a win. I mean, they probably should have beat the Giants, too. They, they, 
they had those two games in a row where they probably should have won. They outplayed the other team in terms of moving the ball and, and, you know, yards from the line of scrimmage, all that type of thing, but just not finishing drives in the red zone, missing field goals. Like the Patriots have been playing better than their results. And I think they finally got a result that they kind of deserved. I mean, they crushed Pittsburgh on the road. So I, I think with the Patriots playing somewhat decent, this line being 10, you had a low total where not a lot of points are expected. I think, I think the Patriots are a little underrated, man. I know that sounds crazy, but maybe even like not having a quarterback controversy helps them a little bit. I think at this point, it's obvious everyone is just going to have to get behind Bailey Zappi for the time being. I'm not saying that's any kind of uh, positive situation going forward, but at least it's settled now where Mac Jones is just going to be on the bench and the defense is playing at a pretty good level, man, especially when you consider how much injury they've experienced this year. I I mean, they really have not, they they have all the excuses in the world to, to not be playing well, you know, uh, losing multiple key pieces and, and they're still playing pretty solid. Can they slow the chiefs down? I, I think with extra time to prep and the chiefs still not clicking on offense, prop probably, you know, uh, it's still a big number here. I think I'm going to have some Patriots. Kind of feels like this game should be a little closer to like seven and a half here. I don't know if I'm going to touch this game. I don't disagree with your handicap. I just don't know if I want to get in front of the Chiefs right now. Didn't think they should have been complaining after the game. But at the same time, you know they're going to come up fired up. And is Bailey Zappi going to be able to score 14, 17 points against Kansas City? Total of 37 and a half. That's obviously the scary part is right. If Josh Allen can barely move the ball against this team, what, what is Bailey Zappi going to do? But I don't know, man, they they at least are targeting the right guys, getting the ball to the right guys. I don't know. Revenge game. I, yeah, I don't know why Hunter Henry wasn't a bigger part of this offense this year. Um, Zeke making some plays. I mean, in the passing game too, probably just need 17 points here to cover this. I mean, can they get to 17? I don't know. Their team total is going to be like 13. So obviously the market is not going to be too bullish on this offense right now, but it it does seem like at least everyone's aligned, which I, I think is probably going to be pretty helpful after there's been a lot of just, you know, strife in that locker room and with, with the coaching staff under fire, all that type of stuff. So I think I'll have some, some Patriots at double digits. It just seems a little bit too high to me. You also know that Belichick, I mean, we see this week after week, and maybe he didn't have to do it too much against Trubisky because they were kind of just playing the run and mixing up their defensive looks at the line of scrimmage to confuse Trubisky, which can always work. But can Belichick do enough to scheme against Mahomes, even if he takes away Kelsey and Rice on some possessions? Like if you look at Kansas City's yardage outputs and scoring outputs against Belichick led defenses it's not in the great. last right it's, right it's not great so I don't know if I'm looking to back and that's not to say bet against or bet on the trend it's just I think that historical context can matter when you're looking at Belichick scheming against upper echelon quarterbacks and then you factor in the motivational look for Kansas City with how pissed off they're going to be after that Bills loss so you're looking at New England potentially. Be sure to check out the Lions Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner to see if Mo lines up and 
winds up backing the Patriots ahead of our Thursday episode of Beat the Closing Number, which will release our best bets on. But you can get those in real time by subscribing in the role section on Discord, at least the Lions Discord. So see if Mo winds up playing the Patriots. Bills and Cowboys, as we touched on and lamented on Kansas City's loss. It was a Bills win, and they are now about one and a half point favorites against Dallas at home in week 15. Total of 48 and a half, 49. Dallas beating the Eagles pretty handily on Sunday Night Football, covering the three and a half point spread. Dallas lost yards per play, but that was also kind of milking the clock in the second half. And Philly really trying to go all out in the second half. And again, Dallas is up by three possessions for much of this game. Eagles fail to score an offensive touchdown. Maybe a bit of a, or at least going back to week 13, I think you could argue that that was a look ahead spot for Dallas facing the Seahawks and how poorly their defense played. And then you get an all out effort against the Eagles and not allowing a single touchdown. So I didn't take away too much from Dallas's very poor defensive performance against Geno Smith. And they obviously showed up against Philly on Sunday night. You also wonder if maybe on the flip side of that, can you get a letdown or do you get a letdown from the Cowboys against Buffalo after that huge game? Obviously, this isn't any sort of a must win from the Cowboys, but depending on how much Dak Prescott wants this MVP, he's now favored to win the NFL MVP award marginally over Brock Purdy. Prescott plus 150 at shops and Purdy right around plus 200. We brought up the Prescott pricing about a month ago, three or four weeks ago, when he was priced at around 30, 40 to one. And conversely, Buffalo fighting for their playoff lives. And they should be able to run the ball. I know we were talking about this before we got going. James Cook, you're not necessarily the biggest fan, but Buffalo's rushing attack, ninth ranked run block win rate against a Cowboys defense. And if you're going to be able to beat Dallas, Dallas allowing the second highest rushing success rate across the NFL. So how do you handicap this one, Mo, on top of summing it up? Maybe not a cherry on top if you don't agree with the notion that is Buffalo still battable to win the Super Bowl? You mentioned that you have Bill's futures. Their odds dip from 50 to 1 to 20 to 1 after their win against the Chiefs. So how do you handicap this matchup? And would you bet on the Bills to win it all before this game kicks off? I think that's defensible for sure. Um at the same time, man, this spot, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit interested in Dallas, man. I, this line is telling me these teams are equal and as high as I've been on the Bills, which obviously I'm higher than the market if I'm betting them to win the Super Bowl and betting them multiple weeks, you know, in the last month or so. I still think the Cowboys are clearly better than the Bills and this line is telling me that's not the case. I, you're right a little bit though when you do say, you know, we could see maybe a little bit of a letdown here. I mean, it is a road game against an AFC team uh, cross-conference. You know, those do tend to be some of the spots where we see some mail-ins from uh, basically anybody, you know. But uh, it, yeah, the Cowboys are still chasing the top seed, man. And and I, I know this is obviously a, even a bigger game for the Bills. They might need to win out to make the playoffs or, or close. But With the tiebreakers, yeah. Yeah, it's just rough for them. Like I was saying, they could have had some better results. The Broncos winning, the, the Bengals winning. These were not good things for them. Um, but yeah, the Chiefs, I mean, 5.6 yards per play against the Bills. They moved the ball pretty easy on the Bills for most of that game. And 
you know, they were kind of sunk by fluky turnovers, uh, you know, a batted pass for a, an INT, a, you know, a receiver fumbling, which, you know, these are not super predictive plays. And obviously the big play getting negated by the penalty, like 17 points is not showing how solid the Chiefs were on offense in that game. And we know Dallas has a more explosive offense and a better ground game than the Chiefs. So uh, I'm a little bit worried for this Bills defense in this spot. Uh, I also I think one thing that plays into their favor as well is is preparing for Jalen Hurts uh, on the on the on the Cowboys side. You know, you know when you face a quarterback like that, you know rush lane discipline is very important. You have to be, um, you know, you can't be letting guys get out of collapsed one side of the pocket where they can just like free and clear sprint to one side. There's nobody to stop them. And, and you know, they did a good job. Uh, Hertz. I, I think when you see, you know, five rushing attempts only that is telling a pretty, pretty strong story uh, because, you know, five for 30 yards. And, and I think two of those were um, the Bush pushes, which basically means he had three rushing attempts. If I'm remembering right, I think they did that twice. Uh, so yeah, they really did a good job limiting his attempts there, which I think is key. And, and that's obviously what you need to do against Josh Allen too. I think the chiefs did a really good job with that at times as well. You know, just like making sure the rushers don't run at him too, too fast. So he can just escape outside and just make him make a tough decision under, under pressure rather than like worrying about getting a sack. I, I kind of feel like this should be pick them or maybe bills minus one. Maybe you just tease the Cowboys, but then again, with what you talked about with some of these letdown spots, maybe that's not the right approach anyways, because you're buying points that you might not, might not come into play either way. Like maybe, maybe it just ends up being a Cowboys win or, or Cowboys, uh, don't, don't bring the heat and they just end up, you know, losing by 10 or whatever. So, uh, I'll have to look at this one and, and see where the market goes, but yeah, I'm a little bit interested in Dallas because just because this line is telling me these teams are very, very close and, and I have them in the same tier, but at the, I, I do think the Cowboys clearly look better than the Bills. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to bet this game. I don't think I will. I, I Situationally, it, as you alluded to and as I touched on, it definitely favors Buffalo in these kind of spots. I think you have to bake in, which I think the market has started to, the spot for Buffalo and a potential letdown for Dallas here. And that also depends on how you maybe factor in, or if you don't factor in spots into your model, I, I bake a little bit of an edge into it. And I think the, the edge is there for, for Buffalo, especially if you get any sort of an emotional letdown for Dallas. And I think you brought up a really good point too, teasing the Cowboys up to seven and a half, or even if this line gets to two and then you tease them to eight with another leg. You go back to the 49ers-Eagles game, and before that line got to San Francisco minus three, you heard a lot of people saying, or at least some on GamblingX slash Twitter, tease the Eagles up. Well, it was a bad situational spot for them. So I think you brought up a really good point. In these potential emotional letdown spots, do you necessarily want to buy points? I don't think so. And I don't think I'm going to have a play on this game. But handicap is fair. On your end. Yeah, it just ends up like a lot of results on the tails. You know what I mean? Like where if Dallas comes up, plays a strong game, like they'll probably just win, right? And right. if Dallas comes out and does not play a strong game and 
they're a little bit sleepy for the first, you know, quarter and a half or whatever it may be. And then they're trying to come back in a negative script. Maybe things go awry and, and they just lose by 10. So you just don't want to be buying points in like an uncertain spot like that. Agreed 100%. On to Sunday Night Football. Ravens, three, three and a half point road favorites at the Jags. The look at line for this game was Baltimore minus six and a half. But keep in mind that that was before Lawrence got clear to play against the Browns. So we're seeing a little bit of a shift or a pretty significant shift because of that total of 43 and a half. You were on the Rams yesterday. Shout out to you. You cash in your bet there. Ravens don't cover Went on a walk-off punt return touchdown in overtime. Baltimore outgained the Rams in yards per play. Lamar Jackson looked really good. You could say that the Ravens got away with a block in the back call on the walk-off punt return touchdown. You could say that and you'd be right. Right. Definitely should have been. I thought there were some calls that went against the Ravens, whether it was the DPI call against Marlon Humphrey. Stafford attacked him, but I don't know if whether it was Atwell or whichever receiver for the Rams kind of holding Humphrey down, and then the ball was clearly out of bounds. That set up poor field position for Baltimore, which led to the safety. But either way, Ravens should not have gotten a touchdown in overtime. See, I admit when at least I have Peter's position on a team and they got the benefit of a call, though. Just saying. And looking at some of the quarterback performances, I mentioned Lamar played really well, which he did. Third highest EPA plus completion percentage over expected composite ranking in week 14. Brock Purdy, number one. Jake Browning, number two against the Colts. Mo, who had the fourth best? I'm going to give you one guess here. Fourth best EPA plus completion percentage over expected composite ranking in week 14. Jake Browning. I said Jake Browning was second. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. I know he had Zach a really high EPA. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. I, he had a good game. I mean, I feel like that was maybe a little bit of a, I don't know. I feel bad for the Texans, man. That I feel like they just crumbled. Everybody getting hurt. It's just, yeah, I, I feel for them because they should really be like on track for a playoff game, exciting situation, you know, rookie quarterback, amazing debut, and just everything's going south for them in, at the end of the year. But, you know, a lot of good times ahead, I think. So hopefully. There's the the glass half full approach from Mel. I respect it. And looking on the other side, quarterback wise, Trevor Lawrence, fifth lowest quarterback efficiency slash PFF grade pro football focus grade in week 14, coming off the ankle injury on Monday night football. So short ish week for the Jags. And it showed, even though they made that game semi-competitive in the fourth quarter, Cleveland's defense stepped up at home. And when you look at their home road splits, I don't always or really ever factor that in, but the Browns defense has played. Yeah, yeah, there definitely does seem to be something going on there. I don't know whether it's extra crowd noise is the lot, you know, straw that breaks these offenses backs or what's going on there. But this defense at home is just something else. Yeah. And the Jags struggled with pass protection in that matchup against Cleveland. And they're going up against the Ravens 12th ranked, at least going into week 14, 12th ranked pass rush win rate Baltimore right up there when it comes to sacks overall. How are you betting this one if you are, Mel? Interested in the Jaguars for sure here, but it's obviously an uncertain spot with the ankle injury. And, and you know, we don't know what uh, another week of healing is going to do for Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, we saw, like, a similar situation last year with Patrick Mahomes, uh, but he didn't have to play two weeks in a row. Um, so we don't know what he would look like the third week, 
right? Because we got to see him in the Super Bowl four weeks later, I believe is how how it worked out. Uh, he could still move a little bit. He had that one long run he ripped off. I saw Lawrence scramble once or twice, I think. He obviously didn't have his usual force, um, just kind of looking to avoid contact and get the free yards. So, it, yeah, we'll, we'll be interesting to see how the Ravens approach it whether they want to bring a little bit of extra heat. I think Lawrence can be a little erratic against the blitz at times when he is throwing off his back foot. He can let his mechanics get a little awry uh, sometimes. But I, I, at the same time, I just look at this line, and I just wonder what this line would have been two weeks ago You know, with a healthy uh, Trevor Lawrence before they obviously laid that egg against Cincinnati. I don't know, man. I feel like it would be like maybe like Ravens minus two at most. I could even see this being like close to a pick em. I mean, the, the Ravens closed minus three at the Chargers, right? And and I think the whole world had the Jags rated ahead of the Chargers. And maybe not by a ton at that point, but I think everybody pretty much has the Jags ahead of the Chargers. And, and, and the Ravens were minus three on the road there in probably the friendliest road environment there is in the NFL. So... Um, I'm thinking maybe three and a half might be too much here. I am concerned about the lack of like outside wide receiver play for the Jaguars. I mean, you have Calvin Ridley, who I think is pretty much having to play on the outside now. He's been markedly better in his career when he gets to play out of the slot. So that situation doesn't really favor them. But I think as long as Lawrence's offensive line protects him, which you talked a little bit about, but, you know, the, the Ravens have been a little bit iffy in terms of the pass rush, middle-of-the-pack uh, pressure rate. The Jags have been a bit above average in protecting their quarterback. They are 10th in adjusted sack rate. And, and we saw if you do protect your quarterback, you can beat this Baltimore secondary. I mean, Matt Stafford did it. You know, over 7 yards per attempt, uh, plenty of volume, scored a lot of points, wasn't in garbage time. You know, they were back and forth the whole game. So... I think Trevor Lawrence can probably do something similar. He he does some pretty good work on those timing routes at times as well. I would say he works a little bit deeper down the field better than Matt Stafford. So it might come down to that because he's probably not quite as good as Stafford at those crossing uh, type stuff. We saw like he made some pretty great throws at times. Definitely the one in the end zone was tremendous in the corner of the end zone. Not too many quarterbacks are going to make that play, but Trevor Lawrence can be, can be good at those throws as well. So, uh, I'm thinking this might be a little bit too high, but if people are not believing in Lawrence, which I can totally understand given the injury, we could maybe see this line go the other way. So I'm not in a hurry to bet this one, but interested in the Jaguars. At the same time, you mentioned Baltimore secondary and Humphrey got exploited on a couple of explosive passing plays yesterday and probably should have had a pick to seal the game, drop that. But if you look at the Jags' last five games against San Francisco, Tennessee, Houston, Cincinnati, Jake Browning on a Monday night, maybe a little bit of a lack of motivation in that game, but I'll hit on that in a second when it comes to the collective stretch defensively, especially when it comes to secondary play. And then the Browns yesterday against Joe Flacco. So in their last five games from weeks 10 through 14, Jags ranked 25th in EPA per dropback allowed. And let's see here, 30th in dropback success rate allowed. And now you're going up against a very explosive Ravens passing game. And Lamar playing very well, if not better, when it comes to explosive passing plays. And just from an overall passing efficiency than he did in his MVP year. When he was really trying to run the ball and really trying to escape the pocket. 
I mean, I think he's really adjusted to Todd Munkin's scheme, and that shows in the results when it comes to quarterback efficiency. So I know you said the Ravens secondary can be exploited if Trevor Lawrence's ankle is better in better shape, but Jack's secondary, when it comes to competition in their last five weeks, and that includes facing the Titans and Will Levis, who has underperformed expectations after showing up on Thursday night and the week before that against Atlanta, two below-average defenses, at least when it comes to passing defense. I'm not super sold on this Jags defense, man. So I was considering Baltimore when I saw a three pop earlier when this dipped to three, but it quickly shot back up. Maybe I'll try to look to bet this game live. I don't think I'm going to have a play on the Jags, though, because that secondary and their results of late against very competent offenses definitely scares me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I definitely think this secondary and this defense overall. I mean, I definitely was low on this secondary coming into the season and low on this defense in general, but um the notion that they're maybe regressing to what they probably should be, which is a middle of the pack defense is probably legitimate. Uh d- definitely agree that the Cincy game some probably lack of motivation baked in. I know it was a primetime game, but I mean, these players know they're 10-point favorites, man. I mean, they're they're going to be a little bit sleepy in those spots and and Jake Browning's been playing well, you know, all all credit to the Bengals and their coaching staff. So they they got their players ready and the Jags were a little bit sleepy and they paid for it. You know, this is the NFL. That happens. So uh yeah, I just think, man, it's still three and a half points with a pretty good team at home here. So uh I don't put the Ravens in the type of elite tier that uh would be, I think, laying that type of number against a good team on the road. Um, like I already said, I think the 49ers are pretty much by themselves. Maybe the Cowboys, you could argue are right there, not too far behind them, but it's just a lot of pretty similar teams after that. And I think before the last few weeks, you could have guessed the Jags might be in there, but they maybe look like they might be in like a third tier after that at this point, but it's still getting three and a half at home here in a big spot. So, uh, I'm interested in the Jags, but definitely not something I'm running to the window to bet at this point. So we'll see uh, if the line keeps moving around. I, I didn't know it was down to three. So that definitely signals that maybe Sharps only like the Ravens at three and nothing, nothing higher than that. Yeah. And to your point, when we initially got into this handicap, Lawrence's ankle may be playing into the market perception of this game. When you think about, okay, why is Baltimore, if Baltimore closes three and a half against the Jags, when San Francisco Granted, coming off of what? A two or three game losing streak. So that certainly played into market perception and just their market rating going into that game after the bye where they, Jacksonville was coming off the bye too, but 49ers closed as field goal favorites on the road. So you have to take into account all those, all the market perception with San Francisco coming off that losing streak and the Lawrence injury as to why the Ravens may close at this number. I'm not saying that means that you shouldn't bet Jacksonville. But what I'm saying is, is that, okay, why is Baltimore closing higher at Jacksonville than the 49ers did? I think there's a plausible explanation as to why the market thinks that. Just my perception there. But wrapping up here for our podcast, audio-only audience, Monday Night Football betting preview, looking at the Packers and Giants. Packers, six-point road favorites, so down from six and a half to six, flat six, total of 37 Matt LaFleur, I'm sure you've heard this a bunch, 16-0 in December games straight up. Zero games with Jordan Love, I believe, in December. All those coming with Aaron Rodgers. If you're looking to bet the Giants, which I'll, we'll get to your bet in a second, you're probably looking to sell the Packers at a peak. 
market price or rating. But I do want to throw this out there with Tommy DeVito because the Giants were plus eight in turnover differential in their last two games, both outright wins against the Commanders and Pats. DeVito ranked 28th in passing success rate from weeks 11 through 12. Giants have it a bye last week. And that is only or was only in front of Bryce Young and Tim Boyle. So if the Giants get a negative game script, I don't know. I don't have too much confidence. But what say you for your handicap of this <laughs> yeah. one, though? You don't say. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've got Giants plus six and a half. And it's mostly just, you know, a really good spot I'm looking to buy here where, you know, they're coming off the buy. The Packers are coming off multiple huge wins in a row. Probably reading some of their own headlines, especially a younger team probably feeling themselves and you got them on the road against a bad team, which is the basically textbook sleepwalk spot for maybe, maybe giants. Maybe I'll just play some, add some first half and, and uh, hope that even if the giants end up falling apart, they'll cover first half uh, when the Packers might not be at full intensity. But uh, yeah, just a spot where I, I think you have to buy the giants and obviously the market's with me. It's down to six. Um, even a little bit on the juice side in some spots. Would I play it past six? Probably not. Um, so this is probably as far as I'd go with this one, but pretty happy to have six and a half, even though it's very, very gross. We have seen this Giants team move the ball on the ground at times. We know the Packers can be beaten on the ground. We have seen um, the Giants defense play well in some spots. So I'm hoping they can put some pressure on Jordan Love and keep this one close. And yeah, obviously I'm concerned, especially when I look every single week at the sack numbers and see Tommy DeVito has taken another six sacks or whatever it is that week. Uh, that's obviously one of the worst things you can do <laughs> as a quarterback is take a bunch of sacks. So this is going to be on the Giants coaching staff big time. They have to get the running game going. They have to get some quick stuff, easy stuff, for DeVito because if he's in pure dropback situations, this could get ugly really, really quickly. I think if you see, you know, 14-0 Packers, uh, probably just bet minus 22 and a half or whatever, whatever the life line is at that point because I don't think there's any way Tommy DeVito is getting them back in the game. Uh, yeah, first quarter, first half might, might tell the tale in this one. And just on the flip side of that, if the Packers are up earlier on, and we mentioned last week when we were handicapping this game, Maybe you get some sort of a letdown from Green Bay early, not saying they can't come back. And you mentioned how ineffective this Giants defense has been throughout the season. Maybe Wink Martindale comes up with some effective blitz packages against the Packers, albeit very, very improved Packers offensive line with Elton Jenkins back in the lineup. So you would expect the Giants to be playing more single high safety looks tonight, which is what they've done a lot under Wink. And without Christian Watson, actually, I was digging into this earlier. Jaden Reed and Wicks have been their rookie Wicks, our second-year player, I think. They've been much more effective against single-high looks this year. So if you're looking to target props, some books offer live props, especially if the Packers are in a negative game script. Maybe you look towards Reed and Wicks. I would consider Wicks. I think he's a potential breakout candidate tonight against this porous Giants pass defense. But I don't think I'm going to have a play on this one. I was hoping we would get some Packers money. Maybe this would surge up to the key number of seven. It has not been the case. I will say what I'm rooting for the other Monday night football game is a Dolphins blowout because Dolphins in week 16, I know I'm skipping ahead, 
but it's Miami and Dallas in week 16. And after this Titans game, Dolphins play against the Jets. And I hope we get a little bit more than what the current point spread is in that one, which I think is Miami minus 12. So I hope the market inflates that number a little bit with a Miami blowout, hopefully, fingers crossed. And I'm looking at the Jets as a potential week 15 bet. Any any takes there? Yeah, I like the Jets too. Uh, I, I already think 12 is probably probably too high, to be honest. Uh, I think people are just not factoring in how much better Zach Wilson is than Tim Boyle and these other bums. I mean, like I get Zach Wilson is bad, guys, but he's multiple points better than these other players. Multiple points. Like Even when the Jets are just doing nothing but kicking field goals in these other games, at least they're kicking field goals, right, with Zach Wilson. Like They can't even score a point with Tim Boyle pretty much. So uh, I'm just thinking this is not a spot where Pete just it's just a quarterback change that I don't think people are giving quite enough credit we did see him obviously have a huge game against the Texans we've seen him like he had a big game against the Chiefs um, and you know at times he does move the rock and that's more than you can say for the rest of these Jets quarterbacks so uh, I think this double digit line is probably too high and we have seen Tua struggle against top quality defenses multiple times so uh, I'm going to have the Jets in my account, I'm pretty sure. I think I'll be with you there. So be sure to check out our Discord channel for when Mo and I bet the Jets. I am on the edge. I'm hoping to get a better number, but considering the Jets, we'll put it that way, definitely on the list of potential Week 15 bets. So be sure to check out our Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner where you'll find all of our bets, whether it's Week 15 or anything. Any sport. All the new college basketball podcast up with Eric Haslam from Haslametrics later in the week. I think Thursday morning is when that's going to come out. And we'll have a new episode to beat the closing number on Thursday afternoon, at least in Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Remember, if you're looking to bet any NFL action and you're first time user with BetMGM Sportsbook, you can use promo code the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. That's the lines one word. And if your first bet loses, you'll get those bonus bets up to $1,500. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? And hopefully Tommy DeVito cashes for you against the number. Yeah, I mean, that's all I'm hoping for. So uh, other than that, uh, let's go Tyreek Hill Tua because, man, my $500 league this is the lifeline. I need 42 from them. So let's root for a lot of Miami points. Would you, if the Chiefs lose in the first round of the playoffs, would you blame it on Taylor Swift? No, I would blame it on probably the Chiefs not putting together a good enough team and Travis Kelsey finally declining. I mean, I've been waiting for this for years. I thought he was slowing down three, four years ago, like noticeably, but fact of the matter is you know his route running and his tackle breaking did make up for his lack of speed so uh i i'm amazed he made it this far man i really am like the guy is positively ancient for a high volume nfl pass catcher so hats off to him for what he's done but i think rishi rice is very obviously needs to be the top target next year even if kelsey comes back which i'm not even certain is going to happen at this point Taylor Swift may have jumped on the bandwagon too late. Maybe she'll consider one of our singles that one of the names of our singles that we announced earlier in lieu of her mistake. We'll see. Maybe we'll have 
an announcement on the next episode of Beat the Closing Number. But for Mo, you can follow him on X Twitter at Monoara2Ws. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow the lines at the Lines US. Be sure to check out all of our content, breakdowns, all of my best bets article up Wednesday, Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, something like that. So be sure to check that out later in the week. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody.